Our second scripture lesson today comes from the book of Revelation in the 21st chapter. Let us continue to hear God's word to us this day. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. He also said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My brain hasn't exactly been able to put together a well-formulated beginning to this sermon, so this is a rough beginning. It's all I've got, a rough beginning to offer you. And I'm going to take a bit of a different tactic, and I'm going to share with you a number of things that have been on my mind, some of which may be on your mind, too. And instead of trying to weave them together in an eloquent manner, I'm going to put them down. And I'm going to ask that you trust that they're going to come together in the end. So the first thing, today is All Saints Day. Originally, this day was set aside to remember and commemorate early martyrs of the church whose names were not recorded, but who died for the faith and whose memory was in jeopardy of being lost. As time went on, the celebration branched to more broadly remember all of the faithful who had died. We continue this celebration as we name the members of our congregation and more widely the people in our lives who have passed in the last year. But you and I well know that when we begin to remember those who have gone before us, our memories cannot be contained to a year. There have been people in our lives who have been models to us as of a life lived in faith, who have taught us through words and actions what it means to love justice, to seek kindness, to walk humbly, who have helped us experience the welcome and love of God when we most needed it, who encouraged us to listen and discern the Holy Spirit's leading, to show us what it means to follow Christ. And so today I have this figure that was given to me by a member of another church that I served. And it reminds me of a saint bringing that light into the world. For friends, you and I, we are all saints of God. And so while the memories of this, this day can bring us great joy, they can also bring us into times of grief. 
tissues. <laughs> Grief is a thing we're all feeling these days. Sadness over the people who have meant so much to us and are no longer with us. Sadness for the world and all that is going on. For the death of Walter Wallace. For the loss of jobs and financial security so many are feeling. For the prospect of holidays without family gathered. For a long winter, quarantined in our homes without the sun or company for ambiguous losses that we can't quite touch or name but are nonetheless real. We are grieving right now, and grieving can do a lot of strange things to a person. It can cause us to sleep more than normal or to learn the complexities of insomnia. It can make us hungry all the time or never think to eat. It can distract us from daily tasks, take away our focus or drive, make us forgetful. It messes with our immune systems. It can make us numb or full of tears or help us alternate between the two. All of this is hard and can catch us off guard, but it's normal. We're also carrying a lot of worry anxiety, and tension about the election. The news and our social media feeds and our interactions with others are full of stories about voting, how to vote, when to vote. Please, everybody just vote. There's concern about ballots not being counted or delivered on time. There's uncertainty about when we will know the results and how those will come to be. There is fear about how the candidates in our nation will react to the results and whatever process happens next. My voting sticker may be light, but everything that it represents is heavy, no matter what side you're on. Then we have the Isaiah passage that we just heard. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast. And we find ourselves once again at the table. And the feast may seem meager. I don't know if you can even see this, <laughs> if they can even zoom in far enough. It may seem meager and we may feel lonely. We may not be at the table that we want to be at or with people that we so desperately miss. But there is still something that connects us here. And there is hope. Hope in these words that God will destroy the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. Now would be a really good time for that. And so we come to this moment with expectant hope. And we hear, too, the words from the book of Revelation, this wild and amazing vision in which the new Jerusalem, the holy city, is coming from heaven to earth. God is right there with the people, not in some faraway ethereal place we cannot get to or see, but at home with mortals, living right here in the midst of our earthly lives and reaching out to dry our tears. 
Apocalyptic texts like this one and many others in the ancient world were meant to be more revealing than predictive. I found this commentary from scholar Catherine Shainer really helpful. She writes this. In other words, the vision John the seer describes in these verses is not a view of the future from a crystal ball. Instead, John's vision lets us see God's home among us without the veil of human destruction and violence. The passing away of the first things, verse 4, and the creation of the new heaven and the new earth need not be understood as the necessary result of obliteration. The new heaven and new earth are not replacements for the world where we live, but rather a renewal of the creation in the space where God has always been among the saints from every generation and era. God is already here. God is here in a world that has changed and is changing, a world we are only beginning to imagine. God is planting and sowing the seeds of imagination in us now. I have this ceramic heart that I picked up at a local store that says on it, let go. It reminds me that I, that we, need to let go of so much of the world we knew in order that we might begin imagining the new Jerusalem here on earth. I heard a quote this week from Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg that I hadn't heard before. In an interview in 2002, she said this, Dissents speak to a future age. It's not simply to say my colleagues are wrong and I would do it this way, but the greatest dissents do become court opinions and gradually over time, their views become the dominant view. So that's the dissenter's hope, that they are writing not for today, but for tomorrow. We are a part of a long history, all the way back to Jacob, to Sarah, Moses, Jesus, the disciples, a history of people who follow a God whose ways are not of this world. And we are asked time and time again to follow a different path and to speak God's love into a world that wants to spew hate, to speak God's care for those at the margins over the supremacy of those in the center, to speak God's peace into a climate of discord and violence. We can do that because we have learned how from our ancestors, and we do that so the next generation might know God's ways. I found this Christmas card from last year, pictures of my children. And I pray that with our work, their path might be just a little bit clearer, that the world they inherit may be filled with just a little bit more justice, more mercy, more love. I've been listening to a song on repeat for the last week or so. It's called the Keep Going Song. You may have heard it. It's written and performed by the Bengsons, a husband and wife duo. 
They start out by sharing some of their story, who they are, that they're in Dayton, Ohio, at his parents' house with their three-year-old to ride out the quarantine. This song feels to me like the culmination of this moment of all saints and communion and the vision of a new heaven and a new earth and God's hope for all of us in grief and fear and anger and the ways that we are connected, still connected to one another. I reached out to the Bensons to let them know how much this song meant to me and that we hope to use it in worship. And I got a beautiful email in response, including prayers for us, this congregation, as we all move through these times. Chris is going to sing it in just a moment, and she's adapted some of the words in the beginning of the song to match our context. And I hope that as you listen to it, you can identify and hold and look at the things that are culminating in you right now. There are people in your life who have loved you into being who you are. Grief is real, and it is hard, and it is normal. We are all welcome at this table that connects us to Christ and to one another. God is near, and you are not alone. And together, we are going to keep going on and on and on. Alleluia and amen. <laughs>